0: Broadcasting from the White Gold Tower in Cyrodiil, from the Somerset Isles, and to to back down to Skyrim from High Rock to Marwyn. This is the ESO Alliance. I'm your host, Avarwen, and today is Freitas, Frostfall the 18th. This is the first episode of the ESO Alliance. Thank you, one and all, for joining us, especially live in our chat room. I am one of two who represents Elder Scrolls off the record from the Quest Gaming Network, and I am joined by the one and only Joe the Widget Wilson. Joe, welcome, welcome. Hey buddy, it's good to be here. It's exciting! It sure is. And we have Josh and Kyle from Shoddycast.
1: Hello everybody. Greetings.
0: <laughs> as well as Andrew, you know him as Atropos on Tamriel Foundry. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. And our very first guest here from ESO Alliance is Force from Force Strategy Gaming on
2: YouTube. Hey, how's it going? Nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, glad, uh, glad you guys could be here. This is, uh, this is super exciting for us. We're, uh, ready to, ready to go. Uh, Josh and Kyle. You you just did an interview with uh, the conk as <laughs> as uh, he, is, he is now I suppose being called. Yes, yes, he
3: conked it. He, he's been conking all over the internet as of late, so uh, <laughs> yeah. we were able to snatch him. We
0: were lucky enough to snatch him for an interview. So there's there's some information here we're going to give out on uh, on September 27th. All right, Nick Conkle was interviewed by VideoGamer.com. And he gave these pieces of information, which uh, which we thought were were was interesting. Um, on content updates, and I quote, he said, uh, we're targeting a DLC level of content coming out every four to five weeks. Uh, that also feels appropriate to the IP, making sure we can constantly fill out more of the world. Uh, now, Josh and Kai, want to give us the second point here?
1: Um." Sure. Uh, Still going to the DLC that he was talking about? Or do you want to move on to the next thing? Yeah, right on to the next thing. Awesome. Let's see. Gave an example of what a patch may add to the game. An example would be adding in the Thieves Guild quest line, a series of story-driven quests for an an individual player. Uh, Let's see... Adding in a justice system within the game so when people steal things, there's a consequence to that action. And then adding in a skill line that lets you distract guards and that sort of thing. So you'll have a package that includes story, some gameplay elements, and maybe a new system.
0: Very good. Uh, he also said that death will require filled soul gems to res on the spot, otherwise, you'll have to res back at the Way Shrine. And here's something that popped up as well. And uh, when we get into our misconceptions segment, uh, we're going to talk a little bit further uh, regarding some of the information that Josh and Kyle had gotten uh, this week. Uh, Nick Conkle had said guild stores will not feature a bidding system. And I quote, you just put something up for a price and people can buy it or not. And then Conkle stated, since people can join multiple guilds, they're hoping guild stores will have, and I quote, an interesting friction involved in which players try to buy from one guild and sell to another at a profit, end quote. Uh, Guild membership is not required, as Conkle alluded to there being guild stores available in specific locations in the world where guilds can offer their wares for purpose to the general public. So, Josh and Kyle, uh, regarding this stuff, okay, um, you had... You had, uh, like I said, gotten some some information this week, and and how how can all this relate together?
1: Go for it, Josh.
0: <laughs> oh well, w-
3: what I thought was the most interesting piece was obviously about the patches. You know, ever since a uh, subscription has been announced, uh, everyone wants to know how often the the game is going to get updated. And uh, yeah, the the four to five weeks. I don't know. I'm happy with that personally. I think the general sentiment uh, sentiment of the internet. Uh, everyone else was also happy, but I liked this whole idea that Nick Conkle was talking about when he mentioned that these patches are going to be released as like as like bundles. So, uh, and and they're going to have a theme to them, and and we've seen that in other MMOs. I think one of his examples uh, for us was the fact that they plan on introducing the justice system along with the thieves guild, and then. He didn't say the Dark Brotherhood, but I'm crossing my fingers for it. So it all fall, falls along the, the lines of, like, uh, crime, right? So uh, we can see these patches or or DLCs. Uh, we'll, we'll use that term to to cater more to the console layers. Um, but you're not paying for these. It's important to remember that this is included in your subscription. Uh, We're going to see these coming in themes, which I thought was very interesting, and it is a a good way to go about releasing content.
4: Yeah, I mean, this was one of the things about that interview you guys did that was the most exciting to me, because personally, like, you know, I have really high hopes for the content that's going to ship in the box copy of ESO, but just as important, if not even more important to me, is the potential for the game post-launch because I've been looking for a couple years for the type of MMO that's going to capture my interest and capture me as a player for, you know, for more than just the content that ships with the base game. I mean, I had great experiences with past games of, you know, being able to follow a character's story, one of my, you know, my character's story through multiple expansions, through multiple different uh, tiers of progression, that sort of thing. And so, the fact that they're pursuing a pretty aggressive post-launch schedule, um, you know, that that gets me excited because it makes me think that you know ESO has the potential to be more than just like a game you buy and consume and then move on. Uh, I think
0: that one. Of, I think you're right in that, Andrew, that suggesting that uh, content after the uh, the game comes out is going to be. Potentially more important than what actually is in the box. We've seen this time and time again, and and maybe um, maybe Force, you can you can uh, kind of back me up on this. You know, we've seen this time and time again where a game comes out and then it gets it sort of dies. Yeah. So someone, we're uh, we're getting uh, some some kind of I an think, echo. over there. Uh, yeah, it's coming from force. He might not have
3: uh, force. Do you have headphones plugged in? You guys are getting an echo. Yeah. 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 From according to Skype, it says it's coming from you. I don't mean to point the <laughs> finger or
2: anything. Just uh, yeah. turn the radio down there. Shun Rob. him. It
3: force. It was force. <laughs> Get him.
2: <laughs> Let me see if I can alleviate that. alleviate that. Once you you can probably just keep going on. It seems your like panel. it's it's okay so. now. Actually. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm like competing with myself. uh yeah so we we see that there's a you know the game comes out right everyone jumps on the game they play it for three months and then like there's almost no dlc there's no updates nothing no huge content so and then the game starts to kind of tank a little bit um or or completely now uh force what do you what do you have to say on this i mean is is this information about DLC level of content coming out every four to five weeks. What is that saying right now to potential subscribers to Elder Scrolls Online?
2: Well, I think the good thing that's saying about uh, ZeniMax as a company is that they realize that this is an issue for games, and it's probably one of the biggest issues that MMOs uh, releasing kind of face. It's that people falling off after a month of playing, right? I mean, especially in any subscription-based game, they want you to keep Playing month after month, and to do that, there needs to be incentive. So a big part of that is going to be that end game content. And it sounds to me like they're doing, you know, more than just the end game stuff. Specifically, they mentioned like the thieves guild quest line. I mean, presumably that's something that a player would be doing while the while they are leveling up, uh, not just at the end game. I'm assuming that's something you would, you know, get within the early stages. Uh, From what I understand, it's that's the case for other. For other guild-line quests. So it's just the fact that they're not only con- thinking about end game, but that they're also thinking about the leveling experience for maybe the people who pick up the game a little later, or for who- people who are just a little bit slower at leveling. Uh, that's it's, it's definitely good news. Now the big question is going to be, will it be coming out fast enough? And beyond that, is the game going to have people stick to the point that they even... Get to the end game and care about it. That, that's that's the sort of rough stuff, you know. You can do yeah. all this planning for the end game, but right. if you get a player base that's falling off before that, which unfortunately has happened with uh, games before, not that I necessarily think that that's going to be the case with ESO, but yeah, it, it's. I guess to your point though, it's good that they're at least looking at that and and saying this is a problem, so we need to alleviate that. I mean, Guild Wars Two has a similar thing where they're pushing out new content every few weeks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's a good thing for the player base, most definitely. Well, I, I
0: definitely hear what you're saying about is this going to be coming out, you know, at, at, a, at a good pace? And if what we can believe, if we can take what Nick Conkle has said to the bank, he said every four to five weeks we're targeting DLC level content. Now, obviously, that that remains yet to be seen. Uh, but that's like a to me that's kind of mind boggling. I'm I'm a little skeptical. If if Zenimax can keep up with something like that, and one thing that he also said that sort of alleviated that that skepticism a bit for me is that they're already gearing up for that now.
2: Yeah, and I think I think the other thing. I mean, I I, I understand your skepticism if you look at the. MMO genre as a whole or that portion of the industry as a whole but like I mentioned Guild Wars 2 I think they push out updates on an even more regular basis and they are a subscription Mm -hmm. based game and I think that's part of their uh, Zenimax's reasoning as to, you know, or at least what they've come out to the public to say, besides just, you know, a company wants money. But one of their reasons for doing a subscription is that they want to be able to not only have customer support, but have a steady flow of content. And, you know, making getting that $15 a month off of every player uh, hopefully will allow them to do that.
4: Yeah, I think there's two things also that are really in Sauce's corner when it comes to that type of content release. So there's you know, one is in terms of the actual geography of the world that they're building. You know, there are some ambitious fans in the internet who have sort of scoured all the information about what devs have mentioned in terms of what zones are in the game uh, at launch. And, you know, there's some maps floating around out there of, like, what we might expect to see in terms of, like, how much of Tamriel is going to be included at launch. It's an awful lot of content, but by the same token, there's a lot of area that is held in reserve. And that's area for which there's existing lore in a lot of cases. There's existing sort of conceptualizations, whether from past games or from concept art or just from, from the, the whole, you know, 20 however many year history of, of Elder Scrolls that, you know, they sort of know what these areas are going to be. They're not going to have to go through the, the process every time of, all right, well, we need a new zone and we have, you know, no background whatsoever. We, we're just going to like make something from scratch. Uh, they kind of know where they're going and they know what parts of the world they're working to fill in. And the second thing is the way that they're adding skill lines post-launch, it's a very sort of horizontal progression where you've got all of these parallel lines. You, know, you launch with the Mages Guild and the Fighters Guild, but then you can add the Thieves Guild or the Dark Brotherhood in beside those. And because of the way their skill system works, it's not going to really cause severe balance issues because of the rate at which and, and the way by which characters are acquiring those skills. Um, so I think that they've got a pretty good system, both in terms of the world that they're building, they're working to expand, as well as the sort of underlying character development mechanic that they that really gives them room to grow.
2: Hmm.
4: Well put, Andrew.
0: Uh, Josh and Kyle, and either one can jump on this. Uh, anything else regarding the information that we've received uh, in the last month from from Nick? We he said targeting DLC level of content every four to five weeks. Um, Death requires Soul drums to rise on the spot. He also said uh, guild stores will, feature, will not feature a bidding system.
1: W- yeah, what, the do you, other, what do you got? The other major thing with the whole uh, guild store system was the fact that uh, they will allow non-members to uh, peruse uh, people's guild stores, but only of those guilds that own a keep within Cyrodiil. So that was a big change from what we thought we knew.
0: Right. Kyle, I want you to state that very clearly, once again, the, that most important bit there about guild stores, Cyrodiil. Go, re, please restate that.
1: Sure. So uh, previously we thought that only guild stores would be uh, able to be searched from uh, the members in that guild. But apparently if a guild uh, controls a keep within Cyrodiil, they can then place their store there for anybody to search through that goes to that keep.
0: Very good. Now, now, dear listener, uh, please <laughs> remember that because when we get further on down in our misconceptions area, we're gonna we're gonna bring to light something that was wrong, and then just restate what what Kyle had just said. Um, all right, guys. Anything else on on any of that? Maybe maybe force. Andrew, no.
3: Um, well, uh, just w- one more thing. Sorry, Andrew. Sorry to cut you
0: off there, no, no, but I'm no, going go to continue
3: it. because I'm extremely rude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Nick Conkle had also said, because Andrew was actually talking about him, I'm I'm going back to his point about the fact that certain zones are going to be locked off at launch and are going to be introduced in DLCs. And Nick Conkle confirmed with us that uh, the Imperial City, which is near and dear to a lot of uh, Oblivion players' hearts, is in fact going to be closed at launch. So maybe we can expect some uh, Daedra blocking off the gates or our entry into the Imperial City. But yeah, that's something they're going to introduce later Hopefully with an arena, I'm crossing my fingers. But uh, anyway, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was my point. Go ahead, Andrew.
4: Well, I was just going to say about the guild stores. I think in the short term for ESO launch, in the absence of, you know, sort of player or guild housing, I think folding it into the keeps is a really clever solution. I worry a little bit that it's sort of catering towards larger PVP-oriented guilds that will be in a position to claim those keeps in the first place. But I'm sure they'll have ways of working that out to where you know guilds that are sufficiently large to have a guild store can have a way to to sell their goods um, I mean and this will be across multiple campaigns too so so there's going to be plenty of keeps throughout the game that are claimed uh, but you know also along the lines of post launch content I think that you know myself as long as a, a lot along with a lot of others are really hoping that In the long run, we get to see some sort of housing expansions, whether it's for individual or guild housing. And I think that maybe building it into the keeps is a good sort of short-run solution until they can really do a housing system justice. And I don't know if they're actually going to do that, but I know it's something that a lot of players, uh, myself included, would like to
2: see. Yeah. Something else I'd be interested to just before we move on uh, when we're talking about this post-launch content and the fact that they're planning on doing this uh, DLC schedule of, you know, every few weeks, you then the questions raised about, you know, just traditional expansions and, and, I, I suppose not if because I'm assuming it is going to happen, but more when and and what's the big distinguishing factor? I guess I would assume because we don't have all landmass of Tamriel available from the onset. Is that correct? Yes, that's mm-hmm. that's basically correct. Yeah. Okay. So then I'm assuming then major expansions will be you know adding those additional landmasses that we don't immediately have access to, well, and then something else. I don't know. I think um, I think because because that... I, I can't I don't think we we can't just assume right that everything is going to be free. With the exception of the fact that you're paying a subscription cost post-launch, like we're are, are we is everyone in agreement that we can assume to expect traditional expansions that cost like forty bucks or something? I, I'm I think maybe. I think maybe. I, I think there's like smaller things, like an extra
4: zone in Tamriel. Like this is something like a zone might get added as free. It's expansion as part of like what they term their DLC push and stuff. If they did a full-length ex like a full you buy another box expansion, I think it would have to be something big. I think it would have to be something Mm. along the lines of, you know, uh, you can now travel to, like, the whole new Realm of Oblivion, and that's, like, has a whole complement of Zone. It's, like, a very large expansion. Or now, you know, we're setting sail to to go to Akavir, and, like, that, the entire continent of Akavir is its own whole expansion. But I think that Mm. for them to actually sell a expansion box, it would have to be a big a big addition
5: to you the know game. Andrew it's probably gonna go by the same route as your traditional sub based MMO where they'll do fixed patches, minor content patches, you know, every week, every couple weeks, and then they'll go into some major content patches like every month, two months, and then the big expansions are gonna be the size of practically a new game. Which is like typical yeah. for World of Warcraft, Rift, that kind of thing.
2: Right and that makes sense especially when his examples for patches were like a quest line <laughs> you know i mean that's relatively small yeah. i would imagine that's not not much effort but sorry sorry for cutting you off of our what were you going to say
0: no uh, that's why you're on you're our guest today you're on the show you've got you've got something to add and, oh car therefore... blanche to cut off okay <laughs> <You> go right <laughs> on ahead you your <laughs> uh you so... have high initiative I, I will say though that he also said that he's targeting DLC level of content, and and in in Elder Scrolls terms, DLC level of content is is quite large. It, minus the Dawn Guard thing. Horse
4: armor.
3: Yeah, it also means horse armor as well. It's, yeah, horse armor. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: here's here's a quick before we move on to veteran points and some of the some of the tidbits of info we got from this this month. Um, I want to ask everyone. I want to start with Joe. Uh, regarding an arena in yeah. the Imperial City. Do you want it in the game? Do you not want it in the game?
5: Oh hell yeah, son! <laughs> no question. Force.
0: What about you, Force?
2: Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, more more things is always good, right? So.
0: Well, uh, there's more things that are always good and then there's something that's ridiculously awesome I mean is this
2: something that that force <laughs> is just you know clamoring for is like please NFX, please you know arena or you're like yeah whatever now we are we talking about just like an arena where people duel each other or more of like a what what was in oblivion
5: well, we can do right. it. my idea of an arena if you don't mind Varlin jump in is either one versus one matches two versus two matches or three versus three team matches uh, allow spectating allow betting and that kind of, like, that um, gladiator, gladiatorial-type feel to it.
2: All right, now, Force, what, what, what about you? Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, if we if we go, like, the traditional route with uh, what was it, went in Oblivion, that'd be good, too. But it'd also be, I mean, given that it's it's going to be within Ceradel, it'd be cool if they added a PvP twist to it as well. The uh, chat room's chiming in. They're saying
0: an arena would definitely, definitely be awesome. And I think some of them like your idea there, Joe. Um, Andrew, let's, let's turn over to you and then, and then ShoddyCast. What, what do you think? Uh, arena.
4: Oh I'm probably going to get hated on Hardcore for this, but I vote no. Really? Yeah, I vote no.
0: Oh, now yeah. that's interesting. Now why is that?
4: I think that Cyrodiil is the huge, huge linchpin of their game. And I worry that adding a more sort of esport, drop-in, lobby-style arena would cannibalize a lot of the integral part of their endgame that makes their AVA so special. And I like arenas. I've enjoyed them in a lot of games. It's not that I don't like arenas, but I think that you'll end up with players not doing Cyrodiil and instead just doing arena.
2: And really that, I think, would be unhealthy for the game. Well, I it. That, that's that's like entirely dependent on their reward system, though, right? I mean, if the arena is just for, you know, shits and giggles, pardon the French, but if yeah. it's just for like a fun little thing, then no one's going to seriously do it if all of the gear rewards, as an example, are all from Cyrodiil PvP, you know? So, now, yeah, Joe, I, you're, I would
1: let.
4: Oh, sorry. I'm
2: sorry. Was, Joe, were
5: you jumping in or did I misunderstand? No, I was going to say you kind of have to look at it kind of like a side quest to Cyrodiil or an addition to. Not as something that's competing with Cyrodiil for PvP attention. If they can integrate yeah, well, it about, into the Cyrodiil experience, that'd be great.
3: Yeah, I I agree completely. And, and I might have a solution. Uh, imagine if the faction that owns the Imperial City at the time, like say the Old Mary Dominion, is. Oh, being, bring it home, Josh. Bring it home. Because we all know it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, if the Old Mary Dominion holds the Imperial City, and thus, by extension, holds the arena, then I could easily see it being tied into something like, okay, well, then the Daggerfall Covenant and the Ebonheart Pack yep. are the combatants within that arena, and the Aldmeri Dominion gets to, like classic Oblivion style, gets to place bets on what side is going to win. And so you got the Dominion are the Overlords, and you know the Daggerfall Covenant and Ebonheart pact are forced to spill each other's blood. Josh, if I want to rub any-
0: my face all over that idea, Josh. That's amazing. <laughs> now, Andrew, <laughs> now, since you were the one that
4: said that you weren't into it, what do you think of Josh's idea? Because I think that's, I that's think, better. I, I think, if anything, though, it exacerbates the balance problem that you have then. Because if Aldmeri is already in PvP ascendancy, and then you're making the arena available to Daggerfall and Ebonheart participants, you're taking away the people from Cyrodiil who would have the power to overturn Aldmeri's hold on... The keeps, you know, so you've got all these keeps. If Aldmeri is already dominant enough that they have the emperor, that they own the city, you want Daggerfall and Ebonheart players teaming up in Cyrodiil to push them back, to throw them out, and to retake those keeps. You don't want them going to, you know, to duel in the arena. I I mean, the entire construction of their endgame hinges upon a three way realm war balancing itself out in that way, where the two underdogs team up with each other to to sort of keep things in a state of balance. And, I mean, I would like to see duels in-game. I would like to see you be able to, you know... How,
2: is that, not, how is that not in, by the way? I, I am baffled. I, they said yeah. it's not in, right?
5: What, that the arena Duel, itself no, is not in?
2: <clears throat> dueling. They said dueling isn't in at launch.
5: I'm I okay don't. with no dueling, honestly.
2: Um, it's well, a that's essentially really cool what the system. arena is, though. I mean, in nah. terms of one v
4: one, I mean, three v three arena is certainly different. But
2: yeah, but the arena doesn't even exist either. We're we're talking hypothetical here. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 just confused. <laughs> just, like, I just don't understand how you have a game focused on PvP and and not have a dueling I, system. I agree
0: with you, Force. I I I. Feel share the exact same confusion. And and maybe it's something that that they haven't said was going to be in the game yet, but they're kind of planning on it and it's it's always a tiny feature in any MMO. No one's like, "Oh, I'm getting this game for the dueling." Like no one really. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a thing in there, like emotes. Um but we haven't heard and we haven't not heard that it's it's not going to be in the game and
1: so I, I don't I know. That currently it's not, but they're waiting to see the feedback from the fans whether or not they really want it in the game. Can I well, clarify?
5: Let's... Oh go ahead, Joe. We'll uh let's we'll end off with Joe. I wanna just want to clarify why I think why I can't stand dueling in MMOs. And that's just the annoying POS's that'll constantly follow you around, constantly <laughs> sending duel requests to you <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> Yeah, those guys are drives annoying. me nuts. Oh, well, that's
2: why you accept and kick their ass that's and then they why, don't challenge
5: you anymore. Yeah, Well, the oh, arena so. dueling system, it negates that as well and gives people dueling options. All right. Mm-hmm. We got we got uh, we got veteran points, guys, but
0: uh I think we can all leave it off with this regarding regarding dueling, and of course regarding the, the arena, um Zenimax has come out and said on 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 these occasions, regarding these these instances Uh, let's, let's hear from the fans and if they really want it, we'll put it in. So guys, you know, those out there listening, if you really want dueling and if you really want an arena in, uh, in the Imperial city, you know, make your voices heard. And, uh, you know, certainly that's, that's what this show is for. Uh, veteran points, veteran points. This is something that we were made aware of this month. All right. Now I'm going to run down the list of information that we already know. And uh, gentlemen, please feel free to expand Uh, veteran points. It is a way for a character to progress or advance after level 50. It can be gained in PVP dungeons through exploration, overland content in other alliances, adventure zones as rewards for doing what a player will naturally do. Completing content. Also helps you to equip new gear, weapons, skills, and it's a system that's being built with crafters in mind. So, so crafters out there, don't feel like you're going to get left in the dust with uh, awesome veteran rank gear. Uh, this is not a monetary unit, unit to be spent at a vendor to buy items, i.e. it's not the World of Warcraft badge system. Uh, the veteran point system is very similar to an experience system. The more veteran points you gain, you gain veteran rank, such as rank one, two, etc. cetera. Uh, once you unlock veteran rank one, you get gear and items that unlock with that rank that you can use and so on and so forth through rank two and, and rank three. The, the more points you get, you unlock ranks, you unlock items and whatnot. Uh, also, we had heard that this is not tied to achievements and not account-wide. So, uh, ShoddyCast, uh, Kyle over there, we haven't heard from you in a little bit. Some of this information, what what, do you, what are you thinking about this? As a whole, veteran points, veteran ranks, what do you think?
1: I think it's kind of an, an obvious system to have because they need some kind of way to progress your character after reaching level cap. My only concern is like will they have any kind of artificial cap after that or can people just keep getting stats more and more? So if you have someone that plays a billion hours a week and they just become so OP, like what are you supposed to do? It reminds me of that Make Love Not Warcraft episode on South Park. Oh my.
0: Oh my. Uh Andrew,
4: Andrew the uh Andrew the Emperor for no reason. Uh what do you think about <laughs> some of his comments? Uh I think it's interesting. I I wonder if Veteran Points was developed as a way to provide some alternative advancement for people who maybe aren't as much into the PvP side of ESO. Mm -hmm. So we already know that the game's going to have these alliance ranks that you you earn as you are successful within Cyrodiil, and that there's going to be some perks or rewards associated with progressing your alliance rank. And then there's achievements, which are sort of for the explorers, for the completionists, uh, I'm kind of an achievement junkie myself, so I'm sure I'll be like digging into that system pretty heavily. Uh, I guess I, I wonder where veteran points really fits in, um, because it's not you know it's not PvP, it's not achievements, it's just sort of like uh, just generic PVE alternate advancement, which I think is cool. I like AA systems, uh, and I'll be really interested to see what kind of rewards you can get through it, but. I think from like a cohesive end game progression perspective it'd be nice if like achievements and alliance ranks and veteran points all had sort of more of a uh, a connection that was tangible instead of like three separate systems so I don't know we'll see my jury's out force force
0: uh force delicious yeah. can, I, can I call you so right? no. uh- force delicious is that alright? no Force. Wait. go ahead
2: William what do you think? Um... <laughs> Sorry, I just had to. Um, I, you know, I, it, it's interesting, like, to Kyle's point about someone becoming infinitely strong and Andrew's point about all these different systems. I mean, let's look at this for what it is. It's it's pretty much a reputation system, right? I mean, from what it says, you're going to be gaining veteran points as you do things. PvPing, dungeon, exploring. Basically, as you play the game, you gain veteran points. You level up in this veteran system. And then you're as you level up, you're unlocking, what did it say, gear and items and stuff gear and items are the same thing what is it you're unlocking gear and various uh, and various things so it pretty it just pretty much sounds like a, a standard reputation system except they're calling it something different and I'm and just to touch on Kyle's thing I I'm I'm assuming that you're not just like there's going to be a cap right like you, you can get up to veteran
1: well not 10. so much a cap but just make it like to the point where it <laughs> takes so much veteran points to reach the right. next rank that yeah
2: yeah so and that's I mean, what that's, I meant by like an
1: artificial
2: cap. yeah and that's like how traditional um, rep, uh, reputation systems work. As you right. as you gain rep, it gets progressively harder to get to the next level. Oh, and then I'm assuming there's just like a, a cap. And then because it, it seems just like it's a, it's going to be these tier of rewards. And you do things, you unlock the tier, you get the rewards, and then that's it. And in fact, I'm assuming that this is a system that will eventually become obsolete by PVE gear, because you know. The top rank veteran system point gear that you get will event you know. It's just an assumption. I could be completely wrong. Maybe they'll well, keep progressing this over time. So
0: I mean, that's that's definitely an interesting way of thinking about it. I I certainly have not thought of it that way as as a as a you know as a notoriety system. Excuse my riff nomenclature, but <laughs> hmm. uh, you know I haven't thought of it that way. It actually, it kind of hit me as more of an experience system. Um, but, but, but but is that kind of the same? I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It is right? kind it's, of a, it's like yeah. it's a max level experience gain. Yeah, progression, why so. I'm calling attention to that, because I haven't thought of it that way. And you're right. It is very, very similar. Um, what I will say, though, is they obviously they have not come out and said, you know, ratings in the game or, you know, this is this is what raids are. Um, but whenever they've been hit up with the question of rating, it's always been, you know adventure zones is where you're going to find your large scale PVE content. And I'm I'm recalling that because you mentioned high end PVE gear would replace in your in your theory or in what, what you think uh, would would be this this veteran point gear. Yeah.
2: I mean, my, my only basis for even stating that is just prior MMO experience. They could mm-hmm. be doing something completely different. And to just briefly touch on what you said, too, I really hope they put a big focus in PV, PvE, because yeah. I am a PvP fanboy, and that's what I love about games with multiplayer, but I'm also well aware of the fact that, especially in the MMO space, and especially, especially in the Elder Scrolls MMO space, PvE is where the largest population of players are that's the case in mmos generally and that's obviously the case in the elder scrolls games because they've been single player up to this point so i I love pvp i'm super stoked that this is going to be a game with a huge pvp focus but i hope for the health of the player base the size of the player base that they do put a big effort onto end game stuff because i know more people are interested in that Mm-hmm. Just because it's less stressful than fighting against other people, Joe. Uh, what what say you on 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 this stuff?
5: Oh, good, I've been dying here. All right,
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> this is kind of like this is Zos's answer to replay value. This is their, their their end game answer. This is what encompasses PvP, PvE, crafting, everything. It unifies it at the end because there's no such thing as PvP gear, no such thing as PvE gear. It's all one gear sets. Mm-hmm. Um. This is your way of advancing your character beyond fifty without your actual level gain. So it is kind of like like you thought of Arwin. From what I'm seeing, is an, a level advancement just a different type of level.
4: I uh, wonder if yeah. If it's, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I wonder if it's a, something they can use as a victory, as a vehicle for. Allowing players to continue gaining skill points to unlock the new skill lines that they're adding through post launch content. That is you know, exactly s- how I pictured it. Since you're not gaining actual levels as you gain veteran ranks, maybe you get skill points with those as well so that they can keep players earning enough skill points to buy the new skills. Well one yeah, thing because-
5: about getting sorry. Go ahead, sorry. Uh one of the things about getting new skills is the plus and plus, plus content, which is going to the other faction starting areas. Because you'll be gaining those uh those not soul shards, (laughs) the sky shards. Mm
0: -hmm.
5: And that's how you're going to be advancing more skills from my, from what I think, but you could be right though.
0: I, I think on the idea that the veteran point system and the, the rewards that you can get from it is a way to access your top end PVP and PVE and, and PVE PVP skills as well is, is, I sort of see this as the way that they're going to to meld this together. I, I think I think Joe kind of hit the nail on the head after he said that it really makes a lot of sense to me. But we have Zenimax in the chat room today. We've got Genimax uh, – Je- Genimax. <laughs> <laughs> it's episode one, guys. I'm trying to get the frogs out of my yeah, We have Genimax and Genimax. Yeah, we've got Genimax. Jessica Folsom and uh, and G- uh, Gina Bruno are are wonderful uh, community managers over there at, at ZOS. Maybe they can they can uh, throw us a a message or something and, and weigh in on this. Is this the answer that ZOS has for bringing PVP and PVE gear, which is commonly in every single MMO, completely different due to its stats? Or is this is this not the case? And uh, I guess we'll get our, our final thoughts on this. And we'll start with with uh, force.
2: Just the veteran point system. I think it's good. Um, if it, if it works like we've talked about, I think it's fine. It's it, it's it's just whatever way we want, whatever you know viewpoint we want to look at it from. At the end of the day, at, at the end of the day, it's another progression system for max level, and that's that's good because the more of those we have, the more things that will keep us busy once we're at uh, end game
0: okay I, I see uh, jet um, they're they're typing in the chat room uh, to restate the question uh, veteran points and veteran veteran gear as a result of those those points is this Zenimax's way of bringing pvE and pvp gear high end pvE pvP gear to the player without necessarily um Branching those types of
2: gear off from each other and putting different stats on them. So I think so. I, I think, actually think I think uh, she, the answer was already written in the chat. I saw something. I think Jessica said that there's no difference between the two gear types. Exactly. actually. That's better gear is just better time. gear.
4: Right. Hopefully, there will never be. I think. I think that, I'm, that's one thing that I'm really excited you about.
5: Know, I, I agree with you 100, percent Andrew. That's one of the most exciting pieces of news we got last year. That made my day was when they said mm-hmm. no pve or no pve no pvp year split made my day very cool all right
0: gentlemen uh anyone else uh maybe uh Shadycast or andrew want to just give their final thoughts on this before we move
4: on it's great <laughs> i i think Thumbs i'm good up. i i definitely want to learn more about it uh it has me interested but yeah okay great all right uh josh Oh, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it.
3: Level 50 plus, uh, you know, I expect it to be that never-ending Elder Scrolls game, and I just see the, these veteran points as uh, another way to feed into that even more.
0: Cool. All right, guys, character creation video. Uh, it's a small subject, but it can mean a lot to so many different people. Um, who who put this in the uh, in the notes today?
4: I dr- I dropped it in there because the Zasa uploaded that video yesterday. Yeah did uh, did you see? Obviously, you saw it. I did. I cool. did. Yeah. Well, give us give give us what you got. What do you what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, I mean, I think the first thing to say is that Zenimax posted a new video about uh, the game yesterday that showcases character creation and some of the different types of options you'll have available to you when you're customizing the look of your character. And there's an awful lot of depth to it. It's pretty impressive. Uh, so if you haven't watched the video yet, it's on the Elder Scrolls Online site. Uh, and it's, it's about two minutes long it just goes through all the different races and all, uh, I don't know if it's all of the different sliders but like many of the different sort of sliders that you can adjust when you're making your character and then at the end they have some sort of uh, combined shots of like all the different races with their facial features changing and it's, it's really neat because you see that for any one race you can, you can really make that race look a uh, hundred different ways which is pretty cool uh, I mean that's always something that's you've been able to do in the single player games and it's I'm I'm happy to see that they have such a a robust character creation system, uh, for ESO.
0: I think that's the best way to describe it. Andrew, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. It is absolutely robust. It really is. Um, Andrew, when you, when you make characters, okay, do you, do you get nuts with it or you're just like, yeah, that looks good. Yeah, it's okay. And I'm ready to play.
4: Uh, so I always want to, but, I'm always like worried I'm going to lose my name. If it's like an alt, um, you know, then I'll, I'll sort of take my time. I don't like really. I mean, the whole like launch day rush though. It's like I kind of care about my character name first and foremost, and then you know I I look like what I look like. I, I'd like to I'd like to get more involved in it in in ESO. Um, but one thing I will one uh, a personal a personal tip I do always make my character as short as possible. So. I'll all right you mm. would say that <laughs> pvp right smaller somebody, target yeah. smaller uh, target joe you're
0: you're very creative obviously you got a book coming out you're uh you know you're you're very good when it comes to to mixing all the the music for for qgn and all that what as a creative mind you what do you, as i stammer over myself what, what does this say to you is this and, and your experience with it is it right where it needs to be could it be fleshed out more should they scale it back you
5: know, Honestly, I don't think they could scale it out any more than they do. I, I'm, I'm really funny about this, guys, okay? Yes, I have a book coming out November 14th called Continue, just saying. Um, <laughs> oh, you whore. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> Shameless. Dirty, dirty. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's cool. But, um, <laughs> you know, when it comes to my MMOs, I'm all about the combat, going into action. So I'll hit random until I get one I like, and then I'll put my name in and go. So, oh, but that's that all... hurts me. That <laughs> right?
4: hurts me so hard, Joe. <laughs> <I know.
5: laughs> <But> it's it's <laughs> one of those weird things about me, but for a lot of people, though, this is a fantastic thing. Because this is something that people have come to expect from Alice Scrolls games is that robust character creation system. And this goes even beyond what I've experienced in, say, Skyrim and Oblivion, which is fantastic. Josh. Yeah, sure. There's the guys like me who like to
3: spend an hour getting their character and tweaking it just right. And that's how they'll probably spend the launch day. But beyond that, uh, and what excites me probably the most about this, is the fact that all, all those customization options aren't only going to be for us, the players, but every other NPC we encounter as well. Uh, I'm, I think everyone here has played Star Wars The Old Republic and can relate to the fact that that game only had like nine face skins. <laughs> and so you, you'd constantly be, you'd be running into other uh, NPCs and quest givers that are wearing your face, and it's just—it's it, impossible to feel unique in in that moment. And uh, so that customization, not only spilling on us, but over to the NPCs as well. We're going to see a very, very diverse Tam- Tamriel with lots of varying NPCs, and that's what excites me. I think even even more than anything yeah.
5: here. well I look at it always I always looked at it like okay I'm gonna be wearing a bunch of armor anyway, so why don't I need to worry about how my face is going to look I'm not going to ever see it and I'm not going to hardly ever see anyone else's face either
2: <laughs> that is a fair statement that
5: is force you're
2: creative yeah. no, I, don't, I don't care um, this is like I, I fully I fully appreciate that uh, this is something that people want it's just nothing that's ever been um, Something that I, I I really cared much about in terms of making my character look a certain way. I, I, it's it's not even for any particular reason. More so than what Joe said, and it's the fact that I know, especially in these types of games, I'm going to be covered in armor anyways. So the way my character looks doesn't matter that much. And I also want to quickly say this, and maybe you guys can uh, help refresh my memory. But as far as I remember, something that can, when it comes to Distinguishing the different characters from one another. Obviously, like all the customization options are awesome. You can change the width, like, everything about your uh, character, all these small little details. But from race to race, um, there's a hand and uh, butt slider. Yeah, that's good too. <laughs> from from race to race, I remember like the the movement animations. From what I recall, are the same for all the races. Is, is that? Incorrect. Do any of you recall playing the game at any event and having the multiple rate? Like I'm talking about, like running animations and stuff yeah. like that. Basically, the the character models, how they move, is the same from race to race, right? I think you're exactly right. I think they're all exactly the same. Uh, you know, they're bums, all humanoids. That bums yeah. me out so much. And, yeah. and it, the the only reason is because I have played other MMOs in the past where there's been a clear, distinct difference in the in the animations, the movement patterns, and everything. We're talking about, and it's more than just, uh, like, running animations, but also attack animations and things like that. It's unfortunate to me that that they're all stock uh, for well, every one of the races. Well,
5: I keep in it mind, kind of- though, buddy, that this is also, the game's still in closed beta. So something like that can easily change.
2: Y- yes, it, but... Really? Do we think that's going to happen? I mean, I would. Could, I, I would assume if could. there were d- different animations for each of the races, that it that would have. I've seen that stuff change. That's by now.
5: Usually, that's low on priority, so usually that change is more closer to the end of betas. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, let's let's think put that, it this way: if it's not there, we can always we can ask for it, and and uh, now is now certainly certainly the time for for that. Um, I think Josh, I, I had cut you off. Please go ahead.
4: I think. Oh no. The, I, Oh, Andrew, did you want to say I, something? My name is actually not Josh. I, I am learning that. You're slowly. Andrew? You're Andrew. <laughs> I know. Hi, Andrew. Go ahead,
2: Go ahead Josh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I just wanted to say real quick that that's exactly right. I think I think you guys are right on. I, I don't think we'll probably see that launch. I think we should ask for it because I definitely can see what Force is saying. And I guess I'll be the bad guy here and bring it up. World of Warcraft did it extremely well because uh, I mean you saw a Forsaken guy an undead guy off in the distance and just the stiff way he was running you could instantly identify what alliance he was with you knew that guy was on the horde alliance and I think for, for a game that uh, is going to have nameplates disabled by default and all that it's just one more way for us to identify uh,
2: where the other uh, characters are alliance wise just by but the th- way they run I think at the very least I can also understand how they're all humanoid and that that might be different from the other universes, but you look at like the Khajiit um, and the Argonians, like we're talking about feline and reptile, it would be awesome if there were more, there was more like a graceful, a graceful pace to the Khajiit walking or more of a slithery pace to the Argonians, you know, uh, and, but I also realized that that's a lot of work, right? And that's a that's a lot of um, that's a that's a lot of effort to have all of these different unique animations. Um, but
0: but if, if they can, especially
2: do with it. all the customization, too, that's that must be that might be one of the bigger reasons. Like you look at World of Warcraft, as uh, as was just mentioned, and the, every, every one of a single race, all the Torn, all the gnomes, they're all the same size. So they can have all their unique animations. Maybe that's more difficult because we've got so many sliders here for them to, to do something like that. Hey, Andrew, you know, let's
0: uh, let's cut over to you. I know you you had something important to say. So,
4: oh no, I think Force covered it. I mean, I was just going to mention that the Elder Scrolls races tend to be a lot more anthropomorphic than we've seen in some other uh, fantasy MMOs. I, I mean, I'm even even thinking about the Argonian or the Khajiit. I think you raise a good point. Like they could be either slightly more feline or graceful, or you, you know, I don't even know what an, an Argonian run would look like. But I, I'm sure the artists over at Zenimax could get creative. But I mean, these races are, even for sort of fantasy fair, they're very humanoid. So uh, I think in terms of, like, differentiating people in-game, I don't know. For me, it's going to be all about the the armor. I mean, Widget touched on this. It's like, you know, you're you're covered in gear. You know, that's what people are going to see first and foremost. They're not going to see what tattoo you have on your left, you know, cheek or whatever. Um, But if they were to look at your left cheek, if there's a yeah, I mean if there's a if there's a hide helmet option, which a lot of games do have, uh which I would support, I hope that ESO will have something like that. Oh yes. you're talking um, about yes. uh never mind. <laughs>
5: <All> <laughs> right. <laughs> On the flip side of that though, guys, they could be doing the same animations for the sole purpose of lag or latency. And hmm. to allow for those massive PvP battles to severely minimize um yeah, lag. <laughs> Yeah, I think we can all
3: agree there are bigger fish to fry at the moment. No matter yeah. what degree we want it, and some of us want it more than others. There's definitely bigger things on their plate at the moment, for sure. But uh, yeah, going back to the whole, uh, a lot of people don't like to customize a ton because oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be wearing armor head to toe and stuff like that. Uh, did you guys at least like? And I'm directing this question more towards Joe and Andrew. Uh, the fact that you could make that, and people really like to make their characters look ugly, maybe that fat Argonian or mm-hmm. or a guy with big feet, does that interest you guys? I at can all, tell you one or thing, or Josh: that there,
5: there is nothing ever wrong with more options. Mm.
4: I really like yeah. that you can make like an uglier, like a, a fat character, or an, I, the age slider. You could make like an old guy. I think that's like super cool. Usually, MMO characters are all like you know youthful. Uh, I don't know, very
2: fresh-faced or whatever. So I like that you can sort of ugly your guy up a bit. Yeah, you want your old battle-hardened warrior. That's that's the way to go. Or uh, or a, a good old pudgy pudgy guy trying to trying to do the right thing.
0: Um. <laughs> all right guys uh we we do have we have more to come uh more coming for the show misconceptions is something that we're definitely going to touch on for a few minutes but uh gee whiz guys tamriel foundry and shoddycast they're they're regular hosts on this on this series as well and i had asked them to bring a little something onto the show to to present today so i want to i want to cut over to uh to andrew and ask him what you got from Tamriel Foundry.
4: Yeah, thanks, Arwen. Um Tamriel Foundry is always you know, doing new articles and stuff, but I think we've done a couple things recently that are pretty cool that I can shout out to the community in case they haven't seen it yet. Um, one thing we've got going on is um, for the past couple of weeks, we've had a sort of recurring series of articles that are some skill overviews about some of the different skill lines that you can unlock in Elder Scrolls Online. And so we started off with some of the class skills, and we've moved on to to tackle some of the weapon lines uh, just recently. So um, obviously a lot of these abilities are sort of evolving as the game changes, and, and these articles were based on the build of the game that was available during the convention circuit this summer. So, I mean, some of these abilities may not... Uh, make it to launch in this exact state. But at the same time, it's really interesting if you're someone who likes to dig into the, the sort of build discussion and theory crafting and, and really thinking about mechanics and how you could put together the perfect combination of abilities, uh, our our article series on TF might be something that would interest you. Um, I don't know. Does anyone want to chime in about the skills in general before I keep rolling? I just wanted to say thank you for posting all that because
3: it's been real fun discussing it on the shoddy cast
4: yeah yeah absolutely I, I think um you know it's been fun on tf as well i think uh like i can tell that the community has really sort of embraced that and i think the whole um sis, the the whole character building system of eso in general is one that people are going to love to talk about and they're, they're going to love to say, oh, you know, I've got this perfect build. And then there will always be some detractor who's like, no, no, that's rubbish. You What you want to do is switch, you know, switch these two skills out. And I mean, that sort of discussion is great. And, and that tends to sustain MMO communities, uh, you know, that goes a long way towards that. So I'm excited that that can sort of get started. Um, another thing pretty cool that we did was... Uh, We conducted a community survey that went out on Reddit. It went out on a bunch of different forums uh, on TF itself. And we got well over a thousand respondents who are, you know, planning to play the game. And we got a lot of sort of demographic responses about what classes they're interested in, what racial preferences they have, what weapon lines are are most exciting to them. And maybe, you know, uh, conversely, what weapon lines they are not really all that excited about at the moment. So that's sort of a sampling of. some of the demographic data that we were looking at, in terms of what the ESO community is interested in at the moment, based on the the information that's out there right now. Uh, so, there's a couple of articles on TF about uh, our recent survey. Uh, if you're sort of interested in the meta aspect of,
0: um, yeah, what's some of that information that uh, that came out of that survey?
4: And, oh well, you know, I could I could go on for for. Quite a while about it, but I think. Well, can you go on for three minutes about? <laughs> yeah, I can. I can probably go on for three minutes about it. We we did a similar we did a similar study um, earlier in the year in April, and we saw some sort of shifting shifting preferences um, in terms of you know, people's excitement for different factions. It looks like Daggerfall's been gaining a lot of ground, and I, I wonder if that's, oh, that's as a result of you know some of those areas getting showcased uh, at some conventions, maybe uh... maybe people are sort of seeing a little bit more about at faction They were are really uh, far
0: behind from what i can see
4: on they were yeah 100%. they were and on, on the the results of our recent survey survey you know Mary came out as the underdog so we may have our work cut out for us guys i, I know some of us in in this uh... roundtable are, are thinking about playing <laughs> all i wouldn't Dominion. have it any other way <laughs> Bring it. Um we got some age demographics unsurprisingly you know predominantly college-aged but uh... you know a really sort of wide-tailed distribution of ages and i think that that's that's cool that there are you know 50, 50 plus year olds that are really uh you know as excited about this game as as teenagers are and and that i think that speaks uh towards the popularity and the the lifespan of, of the elder scrolls franchise
0: well sure that means i mean think about what what where those guys were at 20 years ago if they're elder scrolls fans they were they're playing Arena in their early 30s, and that means that if they're excited about you know an MMO, that means that they're doing it right. They're they're yeah. bringing their roots into this MMO, which has been their goal from the beginning. So very interesting, yeah.
4: Um, I guess some other sort of overview stuff, just briefly. Nightblades continue to be really popular. I, I think you know that's not entirely surprising. They're a class that just has a lot of sort of. Uh, sex appeal I guess in terms of like the ability that you know the the, the sneaky rogue, the backstabber, the archer. Um, I can understand why a lot of people are just like
5: nah, Dragon really is excited for that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Nightblade <laughs> gets the women, definitely I, the, the, other,
4: the women. The other three classes were like remarkably even. So uh apart from like the slight slight preference towards Nightblade, the, the other three classes are really getting a an even amount of, of loving. Nice. Um, yeah baby. Yeah it I think, uh, I think healers are going to have, uh, as in every MMO are going to be very, very popular. You know, they're always going to be in high demand. I think restoration staff users are going to have, they're definitely going to have a market for their skills. So if you're, you know, someone who's going to be looking for a group a lot in game, don't be afraid to pick up the resto staff. I think there will be relatively fewer sort of specialized users of that weapon type. So, um, But I don't know. I don't need to drag this on. But I I think there's a lot of there's a lot of data that we collected. And I think um, if this type of discussion interests you, definitely head over to Tamriel Foundry and check it out. We've got two articles about this survey so far, and I think there will be a third one uh, in the coming week or two. Very nice. Very nice. Awesome, Andrew. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and yeah, uh, certainly uh, head over
0: to, uh, to to Tamriel Foundry and uh, definitely check out what's going on. And uh, while you're one, there,
4: if you're looking for a guild, right, Joe?
5: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> one uh,
4: last one last quick note that I would be remiss uh, if please. I didn't mention at this opportunity is just that uh, I've also been working really hard the last couple months on some. Uh, I guess, aesthetic and functional improvements to the site. So just this past weekend, we did a, a big round of updates. So if you haven't stopped by TF in a while, uh, stop by and check out the new feel of the site. It's it's not that different, but it's something that uh, worked on really hard. So we're happy with it. So awesome. check it out. Uh,
0: shoddy guys, Kyle and Josh, Kyle and Josh, please uh, regale us. What, uh, what, have you, what have you brought for us? Please, please bring me gifts.
1: Forgot it at home. D- Darn you, Kyle! <laughs> so Josh, uh, yeah, we we, we had talked. Oh well, go ahead. <laughs>
0: no, I'm kidding, Kyle. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: God. All right, so yeah, we talked about the whole guild store system. How now we found out that uh, it will be available to non-members, but only in keeps within Cyrodiil. Um We also learned some uh, tidbits on. The justice system, even though they are subject to change, we did hear that it will be included with the Thieves' Guild. Uh, Nick Conkle, I'm sorry, Mr. The Conk, did mention uh, pickpocketing. He also mentioned a a distraction system of some sort, as well as city guards and reputation. So all that uh, seems to be in one pack, but again, that is all subject to change. Um, Also, he said with the uh, Imperial City, when that does get released... Uh, along with just opening that new region, there's going to be possibly new siege equipment, um, advances to the PvP system. We don't know what those are yet, but hopefully they'll be cool. Um, along with uh, new gameplay as well. So that will be fun to check out.
0: Mm. Awesome. Great information there. Uh, what's this? Uh, Remember the Chalamo event? <laughs> oh, oh I mean, boy. you know. Uh, I'm fully aware of what was going on, but uh, you know.
1: <laughs> sure. Well, uh, exactly. Uh, remember, mis-
0: never forget.
1: Mr. The Conk had uh, relinquished some information that we were indeed in the AVA beta test. So now we can at least mention that we were there. And uh, remember, the Chalamo was just an event that had happened that really got uh, Zoss pretty much as excited as we were about it because it tested out a lot of the systems. And it proved the fact that this game, or at least the PvP, is not about just sheer numbers. It's about the fact that its, it's strategy trumps numbers. So if we have nine people held up in a keep, we can defend that against waves upon waves of 30-plus members of the opposite faction trying to get that keep. So, uh, yes, we did die to the last man, but we, we at least held it for quite a long time, delaying the inevitable so it was a great time, and it was awesome to see just how far the game has come.
0: I think it would be uh, fantastic if uh, those who know each other were involved in that uh, had like a little a little badge, you know, in the Chalimo kind of. <laughs> kind
1: of well, he did mention there is going to be some sort of epic poem that will immortalize that event in the game.
2: Very know. cool.
1: Those that were included in the events, especially our our supreme leader, he knows who he is. He may or may not be in the room right now. Um, Yes, he will be immortalized. (sighs) But
3: he totally is in the room right now.
1: (laughs) I can't say. Maybe maybe he can sneeze for us.
0: (laughs) uh, Number number three here, guys, before you get yourselves uh, sued. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) So what do you got there? (laughs) Oh, uh, the situational skills? Yeah. So, uh, well, first of all, Konkle said that they, I'm sorry, I keep messing it up, Mr. The Conk. The Conk, right. Is is looking for uh, suggestions for additional weapon sets after the game launches. So if you do have ideas for weapons you just absolutely want to have in the game, please leave those with Zenimax in a constructive and polite manner. Um, So don't go yelling and QQing that you want uh, spears and stuff. Uh, But they do have some situational or specialized skills that will somewhat include some weapons that we've been wanting. Like we already know the Atrix spear line and the Templar skill uh, skill lines there sort of mimics the spear. We also learned that there's going to be Silver Bolt in the game that's tied in with the Fighter's Guild, which does additional damage to undead. Mm. That you pull out a, a crossbow and shoot it for one shot. So that also sort of includes crossbows into the game.
0: Very nice. And uh, maybe, Josh, you, you can pick up uh, the, last, the last remaining uh, bits of info here.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: I just wanted to say real quick, I, I think the most uh, exciting part about him talking about Silver Bolts in the Fighters Guild uh, was the fact that we are, in fact, going to have, uh, you know, we already know we're going to have vampires in the Elder Scrolls Online, but we're also going to have the Vampire Slayers. So uh, if you're going to go into the Elder Scrolls Online at launch, seek out the fighters guild if you want to you know live out your don guard fantasies and all that all right so uh the the last point we had here is planning new weapon sets after launch uh i think wait oh kyle already said that didn't
1: he yeah talk <laughs> about the uh the custom death animations they're talking about and also how they're adding weight to the combat
3: oh yeah, so a uh, death animation something that is terrible just Awful in most MMOs is the fact that, that uh, you kill one enemy mob, and as long as they're all the same enemy mob, they have the same exact death animation. No matter how you killed them, you could kill them with a lightning staff or a sword, they're going to die the same way. Well, uh, the folks over at Zenimax Online have taken the time to actually, you know, make it different. So it, say you, you fry a, a goblin with a fire staff, he might just uh, turn to. Uh, Cinders after he dies, or uh, you hit him with a lightning staff and he turns to a nice fine powder. And that also feeds into because we've seen that in in games like Skyrim and we liked it very much, but it also feeds into the um, guys who like melee combat as well. So if you're going to end some little goblin's life with maybe a stroke to the left of the cheek, he'll actually fly to the left when he dies, so it just brings that more, you know, visceral type experience that we're looking for, mobs that actually react to the ass-kicking they're receiving. Oh, okay. I thought it was exciting, I, 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 I thought it was, I don't know about you guys, I liked that. <laughs> I think it's cool.
1: <laughs> to go further into that though, he also talked about uh, weapon viscosity. So basically, uh, not only will you see what happens to the foe you're fighting, you'll also see reactions to what you're doing. So if you're using a sword and you cleave into the dude's shoulder, you'll actually see some feedback to the weapon. It may not go all the way through. It may even bounce off. Um, Same thing goes with uh, like maces and stuff. They all react differently based on what the weapon type is. So it's just more of that feedback as well as, you know, camera shake and that stuff we're used to. Um, they're just making it much more weighty. So it's not floaty because that has been one of the uh, big. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
3: definitely. I mean, we were talking to, you know, Ivarwin and Joe had brought this up as well as Jesse Cox and uh, and force. You mentioned this and this is actually how the question came up was the fact that your only gripe, although the combat in the play for the Elder Scrolls Online were in fact fun, they felt Really, really floaty. And the way uh, Nick Conkle had described the recent updates yeah. to the game, uh, it's going to have a lot more of an impact. And I guess something everyone can relate to here was uh, watching the Skyrim trailer for the first time. And you remember watching the Keen beat up on a big old dragon, and the dragon's head would whip around, you know, depending on what direction you would hit him. Or if maybe you were using a blunt weapon, like, say, a mace to a Draugr, it would actually bounce off instead of you know slide all the way through the opponent so yeah i was i was very excited to hear about that especially after talking with uh, with force about
0: the floaty combat mm. yeah floaty combat bad uh so all right guys anything else mm, i think uh, that's all we had no? pal. yeah that's all about right. it uh joe what uh what, what are we what are we bringing to the table today
5: we got anything? Yeah, about a few episodes back, we had Paul Sage on our show, and I—that's right—we did. Been stressing to remember what he said.
0: Well, that's uh, the veteran <laughs> point stuff that we we had covered.
5: Yeah, well, yeah, that was a lot of veteran stuff that we covered. That's right, and as well as a lot of what we're going to be getting into very very soon with the uh, misconceptions. We did a lot of clarification with that with him, and he did give us a few little extra nuggets. I believe that was like, episode eighty-three of Ellis World off the record.
0: I think so. Yeah.
5: Yeah. So if you're interested in that full interview, you can just go back to um, go on iTunes or go to L scrolls off record.com and 83. I mean, the episode's title is his name. So yeah. The Paul Sage, the Paul Sage, Uh, Dennis, (laughs) I I (laughs) know, I know you
0: said uh, you wrote down in the notes here that, you know, the show's kind of long as is you you weren't too sure. um, But I mean, at this point, did did you change your mind? You got anything for, for the listeners?
2: Uh, well, I mean, I guess I just want to quickly touch on uh, what the shoddy cast mentioned about the uh, adjustments coming to combat. I'm really, first of all, happy to hear that uh, they're, they've they ta- not only taken it to heart. It's just so interesting when you're talking about pre-release games because the community will always be up in arms, I think, with any game about something. There's always going to be a vocal community. But I definitely think that this was a, a big thing that they should pay attention to, and I'm really happy to hear that they are. Because uh, good feeling combat, I think, from my experience, it was, it's like mul- multiple facets to it. it. Having solid connection and good animation is one, um, and then also just the audio feedback beyond visual feedback. And I did watch uh, Shoddy Cast recent episode where I actually talked with Mister Conkle, and he he talked about the various things they're they're going to be doing to 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 enhance that. And I hope that we get to see that sometime you know sometime in the not too distant future i hope that they can send this information out to people um because you know i i love you guys but i don't know that every single person watched that episode th- though they should you should go to the shawty cast youtube channel and watch that uh that episode but I, I just hope the message gets out there that they are <laughs> indeed trying to make improvements to that much uh criticized portion of the game because i think the vast majority of People's exposure to that in particular was from that QuakeCon footage. I feel like that's, mm-hmm. that's when the internet at large was talking about this game and that specific aspect of it. So I hope that they can find another venue to get out there and be like, look, we, we've listened to feedback. We're making improvements. We're working on things like slight screen shake for impact and, and you know reactions from your character and the enemy NPC and all of that. Um, that's just, it's good that they're taking those steps and I'm, I'm really excited to actually see that in action and also have other people see that in action so that if they're going to complain, at least it has to be about something else now. <laughs> Not that. Very good. Um, all right. So,
0: so here it is. We're at the bottom of the show and we want to throw out some, some of the misconceptions that we've heard and, and try and try and correct them, um, so so one of the, one of the things that that was posted on on September 9th is is this quote all right uh, you will need to be a member of a guild to use its guild store right now there isn't a public storefront for them if you have permission to sell items on the guild store you'll be able to set your own prices okay this this is a is now a misconception this is not true if there's anyone out there that says I'm not playing Elder Scrolls Online because there's no, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, you know, dot dot dot, okay? <laughs> and this happens to come up, you can say, oh yeah, well guess what? Nick Conkle said, <laughs> or you can call him the Conk, <laughs> <laughs> said that there, there are in fact,
2: <laughs> what the hell is going on? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I have no idea.
0: There, there are in fact uh, public public storefronts. It happens. It happens in Cyrodiil when you take a keep. Right, right, uh, Shoddycast.
2: Yes. Very. So, th- so this is really cool. This just went from a system that some people were dreading to something like more real life, like having one universal auction house. In the so, an auction house is basically like everyone shops at Amazon. And this guild system, prior to this most recent reveal, was everyone needs to join this major guild to have more you ha- you have to you'd, you would intuitively want to join the biggest guild so that you'd have the widest array of things to pick from. Now, it's like storefronts, right? So now we've got all these guilds that are setting up these public storefronts and they're selling wares from their guilds and now we're going to have competition, but not just one store competition like Amazon or an auction house system, but s- several storefronts of all these different guilds that are going to be competing with each other to to try to get the market, right? To try to sell their stuff. I mean, I, th- I think this, this potentially went from a system that I thought sucked to if it works the way I think it does right now, which is like all these little guild stores that people can buy from publicly, then that's really kind of cool. Was mm-hmm. that, does anyone else echo no, that? No, think,
4: I, think I think you're absolutely right. I think another really nice side effect about this change is that it gives guilds yet another reason to care about defending their keep that they claim in Cyrodiil. A lot of times in PvP, it's hard to give players the adequate incentives to play defense. It's just sort of like a psychology thing. And I think the fear of you know maybe losing your guild store and losing your access to the market outside your guild is, is yet another thing that will make guilds really care about protecting the keep that they claim. So I think that's a nice side effect.
0: All right. Any other comments, guys, before we move on to uh, the, the second and final misconception here? Do no?
5: it, do it, do it.
2: Do uh, it. Like, I feel like the Shroudicast guys, you must have something because you hated the guilt system prior to this, right? What do you <laughs> <laughs> Well we definitely we,
3: we definitely weren't sold on it. We were taking the kind of attitude, if it's don't not broke, it. don't
1: fix it, you know? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it, I openly said I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah. definitely changing that around to the whole at least opening it up to those who own a keep is definitely a big step in the right direction. Also keep in mind though. There's not just one Cyrodiil, you know, there's, there's several campaigns, so there's layers of Cyrodiils, which means there's plenty of keeps out there for guilds to take. So don't think, like, the top 18 guilds or whatever are going to be the only ones with uh, an open guild store.
2: Something I wonder, too, I wonder if, so we, ha- the mega server, we essentially have all these different phases, and you're assuming, you know, in, in different phases, different alliances will be able, will control a keep. Yeah, at any given time, I wonder if we're going to be able to manually switch your phase. I wonder if that's going to be an option. So
1: you can, but it costs alliance points to do with that.
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that, I mean, that's something to keep keep in mind. If if yes. your alliance doesn't control a particular phase of the world, you could phase into another one, and and then all of a sudden you do. Okay. Yeah, so you
4: don't want you, you don't want players exploiting that too much, but I think it's important that you can switch if like. You know, you join a different guild or if you, you know, make new friends in game and you, and you want to start playing with them. But mm. I hope that campaign switching is not uh, cheap enough that it can be used to just sort of more conveniently access resources or something. I, I, it, I that, mean, if
2: if people can easily exploit it, they will. That's,
4: yeah. So oh, absolutely.
3: Like, oh, I'm losing in this campaign. I'm just going to leave it and go to another one and see if maybe I'll be winning there. So, yeah, it definitely has to uh, have a high cost. Uh, but just to sum up, because you asked me my opinion on the whole guild stores, because, yeah, Kyle and I, sure. we, we were definitely against it. Um, I, I will say this, and I will give ZeniMax Online this. They never take the easy road. You know, where most MMOs would have a class system, that's, that's it. Those are the skill lines you get. We have an open-ended class system where we have tons of skills that any class can draw on they're not taking the easy path as well with the auction house, right? They're doing this thing that we haven't really seen before by putting auction houses and actually tying it in with PvP. I, Although I'm not 100% sold on it, I'm, I'm absolutely cheering for them. I hope it works. But I will say this. It, it has the potential to be a, a massive success for them if it pans out or game-breaking because I think we can all testify how important the economy is in these games, and and that's one of the reasons Kyle and I were were so fervently crusading for just the proven true, you know, auction house system that we've seen in other MMOs, like like a regional auction house or a global auction house. That said, I, yeah, I'm
0: definitely on the edge of my seat to see if this uh, this works out. Uh, Andrew, what since since this kind of spiraled into a, a different discussion, um, let's let's uh, see if you can weigh in on anything with this.
4: Uh, about the the guild stores right right um, i don 't know I think I've sort of said my piece I, the, there's details of this system that will still be you know coming out in the coming months, and i mm-hmm. you know i'll be very interested to follow that. I think that there's a lot to be said for a more conventional auction house system, but I also think that if they can make this work, if they can make localized storefronts something that people will visit and and will will really engage uh in that sort of economic activity i think that could lend a lot of life to the world um because ultimately you want people to be out and running around and like you know visiting a place to to buy its wares or whatever that sort of player behavior tends to really make the world feel lived in and and if you have everyone just sort of standing around an auction house terminal uh in the main city you know it, it takes a little bit away from that so i'm interested to see where they go with it i really am cool uh joe anything to weigh in No, sir. All right. Uh, Number two. Here's another
0: huge misconception. It's only 120 hours till level 50. Scoff, if if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Again, if you have that annoying friend, you know, I'm playing X, Y, and Z and not Elder Scrolls Online because, you know, there's only 120 hours till you get to level 50 anyway. So who cares? Uh, Zoss has stated their, uh, their estimate. All right, if, uh, if you do nothing else other than killing and questing, it's about 150 hours. That's just doing one piece of content, killing, questing, not resting. There you go. Um, that does not include. There are 16 dungeons, which are the four-man instances. There are 16 public dungeons, quest chains, like the Fighters and Mages Guild quest chains... Six master dungeons, PvP, the two other alliance te- territories, which are 150 hours as well, by the way, and accessing the game through the veteran point system. So, this game is freaking tremendous. Again, let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say all that once again. All right, 4 man instances, sixteen public dungeons, quest chains like the fighters and mages guild quest lines, and there's more to come out too. By the way, thieves, thieves guild, dark brother, undaunted. right, undaunted six master dungeons that's when you hit 50 boom six master dungeons right there pvp two other alliance territories that are 150 hours apiece and the veteran point system this game's massive
2: yeah and and again people need to keep in mind being an mmo this is just the experience to get to max level and most people would say in, in the world of mmos the game doesn't start until you even get to max level so it's 150 hours before you start the game pretty Pretty much much, much, (laughs) that's a long prologue uh, (laughs) what
0: what do you got on this anything
5: that this was actually done on episode 81 not 83 sorry (laughs) i saw it on the lake right there yeah correction noted (laughs) but you're Um, right (laughs) what can you say it's massive hours go ahead what can you say it's
4: massive It, it truly is it definitely is uh what about you andrew Well, I mean, I think it's interesting. I don't really like it when developers try to like... I mean, it's important for them to give potential consumers an idea of like what they might be getting out of the game. But I just, I don't ever like it when they try to like put a number on, you know, how fast you'll reach a certain objective because it's just so conditional on on the player themselves, on their knowledge of the game, on their experience with the genre, on their play style in general. I mean, is this like, am I listening to dialogue? Am I reading quest text? Like. There's just so much that goes into this number. There will be people who get to max level in ESO in, you know, 40 hours, probably. And, and there will be people that get to max level in 300 hours. And it's just, a, you right. know, it's just a byproduct of, of the way that you play the game and the way that you approach it. Um, I think what's important is the amount of content that's there. And, and maybe it's difficult to, like, convey the notion of that to fans without saying, like, an hour number. But, you know, I, I guess I'd rather see them try to go about it in terms of expressing what's in the game and instead of trying to put a label on, like, oh, this is what you can get out of the game. Because, like, you know, like like Force said, it's so much of it is, is post-50, so much of it is, you know, the community, the long-run experience of, of being in an MMO environment. So, um, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of, of hours to cap, but... I think yeah. it's a, it seems like a, a fine number to me. Also,
0: uh, the, the chat room is saying that, you know, that that does not factor in exploring and crafting. And also, um, they, they had mentioned that uh, Zoss had said that once you hit level 50, you're about 30% through your skills. So, take that into account as well. Yeah, I I think
3: Andrew absolutely nailed it, you know. Uh, I I was one of those players who would look at a game and and try to shuffle through, okay, how many hours do these developers say it's going to take for me to beat this? How big is the map in comparison with the previous installment in the franchise? And uh, I I think those aren't the right questions to ask whenever you're approaching a game, and I've, I've learned that very quickly. You know, you could have 150 hours of content but a hundred of those hours could be the worst questing experience you ever had. It could be, you know, like Total Biscuit would say, the collect ten bear asses quest line, or or something like that. I'm, I'm more worried about if that uh, that 150 hours is actually worth spending 150 hours on. If not, then maybe it's better to make it 80 hours and make it just more content filled.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like this is the sort of thing. Just even putting that number out there they can't just say oh well don't worry about the numbers the leveling experience is lots of fun and you can talk <laughs> to people and you can explore it could, they get pushback if you say yeah. something like that you get pushback They're like no we want a number we want to know how much content uh there is and like it was mentioned you know some people they're obviously even at 120 hours there's cl- quite clearly going to be people hitting max level within a, a week like i i i, I Unfortunately enough, might end up being one of those people because, especially if it really turns out to be as good as I hope it does, these sorts of games I really like to dive into right away because you know I want to get a max level, I want to get the best gear, and then I can beat everyone up in PvP. That's just sort of how Hell I approach yeah. it. It's it's kind of crazy, but it's kind of how I approach these sorts of things. And and yeah, the most important thing is going to be the end game content because it's not 120 hours and then oh there's nothing to do. At least hopefully not. Anyways. Well, let's let's put it this way: if the if the hundred and fifty hours times
0: three isn't enough for you, or all of those those instances and dungeons and quest lines and PvP and alliance territories and uh, the veteran point system, if all of that's not enough for you, they also said that there's going to be a very aggressive DLC scheduling release. Like like, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call recall right back to the very beginning of the episode four to five weeks, the DLC level content. That's that's something that we, we definitely need to keep reminding them because they also said they're working on it now. And they've said, outright stated, with that kind of aggressive release schedule, you need to get on it nice and early. And I really believe with something like that, saying that publicly like that, affirms the fact that they are actually taking that that schedule extremely seriously. And I think we need to hold them to it because... Some people out there for us, like you had just said, that all of that is still at the very end of the day not going to be enough. I honestly believe that. And yeah. That's, I mean, that's where it comes that, in play. Like-
2: that's a big mistake that uh, developers of Star Wars The Old Republic had. I think when the game first came out, they said, it's going to take people three months, you know, putting, <laughs> trying to put a timeline. It's going to take people three yeah. months to get max yeah. level. People hit max level in the first week, and then they were like, there's nothing to do. And they're all pissed off. And I think even a representative, I, I can't recall exactly who, came out and said that the, those people are, like, ridiculous or something. He came out and said, it's, it, there shouldn't be people hitting max level this fast. Like, it's Yeah, absurd. I, I know who you're
0: talking about, and I wanted to hit them, too. Is,
2: yeah. it, it just, it's this just this is the noxious, it, and it's the nature of gamers, and especially I think these games in particular, with social aspects and with a competitive aspect, you, people are going to hit it and they're going to hit it hard right away. And, and yeah. that's just mm-hmm. what you have to expect. But you know, again, the most important thing it all boils down to, as was just mentioned, is that is that experience worthwhile? And as long as it is, then fantastic, you know.
0: All right, that's it, guys that's that's the end of our show and and with all good things, they must come to an end but we'll we'll leave off on on a fantastic note and let's let's do a quick wrap up and uh I just want to ask and we'll we'll start with uh
4: with Andrew what are some of your final thoughts for this episode sir well I think that it's it's just nice to see some of these sort of more big picture mechanics coming into the frame and like developers starting to do more interviews uh, starting to talk about this stuff um you know, for for the people who have not really played yet, or have not gotten involved in beta yet, or are still like eager to dive into this stuff, I think you know your time is coming, and this stuff is really starting to to get featured a lot more. Um, so you know, I think the ramp up to launch is is you know just sort of kicking off, and it's going to be an exciting uh, exciting couple months coming up. I think.
0: Andrew, where can everyone find you on the interwebs?
4: Yeah, uh, you can find me at Tamriel Foundry, TamrielFoundry and um, you know we're we're doing stuff all the time that hopefully will be of interest to to fans of ESO. So definitely look us up. Thank you all for for watching. Yeah, man, thanks thanks for uh, thanks for helping helping me do
0: this. Thanks for being here. Uh, one of the uh, one of the, the the staples of of ESO Alliance, uh, Andrew Tamriel Foundry. Uh, another staple, right here. Shoddy cast, Josh and Kyle. I don't care who who uh, who goes at it uh, and tells me their final oh. thoughts. Yes, uh, Kyle and I already flipped the coin, so it's okay. It's me. I was hoping to do like a Joker pool stick fight to the death kind of
3: thing, but <laughs> oh, maybe next episode. Tune in next time. There you go. There's our little we promotion.
0: A, we need a Captain Kirk and Spock uh, death sequence scene here. Fight scene going on.
3: <laughs> How does that theme go again?
1: Kyle does it best. <laughs> Kyle's not, anyway. it. <laughs>
3: Kyle's, Kyle, Kyle's not into
1: it. Kyle's not into it. Not
3: to it. Beautiful. Fantastic. If, if you'd like more to that, tune in to ShoddyCast on YouTube or go to shoddycast.com. And uh, as for my final thoughts, I, I guess I would say. A big hats off to uh, ZeniMax Online Studios for doing what they're doing with their whole open door policy, and uh, you know we have some some devs or whatever in the chat right now, which is awesome. But they've also been handing out interviews, uh, you know, starting with uh, Elder Scrolls Off the Record. I think you guys interviewed, as you said, the Sage and and the Conk as well, right? Uh, Yes, they have. They have been on our on our show. Yeah. And I have to say, as a person who's been following MMOs now and been playing them for for twelve years, not a lot of developers uh, keep that sort of open door. You know, a lot of them have that kind of uh, ivory tower mentality, or, yeah. or or they're just too too busy to actually come down and and speak face to face with their community. And I have to say, it it has inspired a whole whole lot of confidence, especially uh, over the past month. And uh, yeah, just uh, one big uh, butt kiss for them. Uh, for doing that. <laughs> so, well come.
0: said. I think your brother will be uh, rendering that smooch, dear sir.
1: <laughs>
0: is that the way it goes? No. Kyle, what's, what's your final thoughts, my friend?
1: Uh, well, I think it's great that we're getting a very good idea of what this game is going to pan out to be. And uh, the majority of it, I would say about 98% of it is looking awesome. Um, I see we're getting a lot of new information on what the game will be after launch, which is also a great uh, thing to see. So I am very interested to see what else ZeniMax will bring to us uh, after launch.
0: Uh, Force, you've been an absolutely fantastic guest. Thank you so very, very much for taking time at your extremely busy schedule to be with us today to to address uh, the Elder Scrolls community, whom you have a very large voice in. Uh, what are what are your final thoughts?
2: Uh, I think I'll probably just go and echo the sentiments that have already been stated here. I am very excited. Um, I think this is an, especially an exciting time because they are starting to come out here. It seems like they're sort of going gold on, production, on the production side of things, and they're putting more time and effort and energy into getting the message out there and getting the right message that they want to get out there, um, be it correcting course from some issues people have had in the past or just saying hey guys this is what we're doing this is our plan everything like that i think the the most the most exciting part of all of this is going to be leading up to launch if they eventually go into an open beta phase which does anyone know have we had any sort of a confirmation or word on whether or not that is going to happen i'm just assuming they haven't said yeah they did confirm that there will be an open beta at some point okay Okay, so even if it's just a weekend or two weeks before launch, or you know maybe they do a month or two, but any sort of an open beta where this game gets out there, I'm really excited to see then sort of public opinion of uh, of the title and and I you know I hope it's as good as, as I want it to be. I've enjoyed my play experience with the game in the past. I've been trying to tell that to people. It's hard for it's hard for someone to judge a game just by looking at screenshots or seeing gameplay footage. Um, whether or not they'll actually enjoy the experience, and so um, I'm looking forward to more people getting that opportunity to actually play and hopefully enjoy the experience. Uh, that you're uh, you're
0: a gentleman for uh, for coming out tonight. Thank you so much. For yeah, us.
2: thanks for having me. Please uh, feel free to welcome me in the, the future.
0: Yeah. Oh, we will. We're gonna we're, once we make our rounds around the old ES biosphere, we're gonna be uh, grabbing you by the ear and uh, humbly requesting you to uh, get on the show now.
2: Sounds 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 good. <laughs> Look forward to it,
0: Joe. Joe the Widget Wilson, your Yo. your final thoughts, dear sir.
5: I I want to thank uh, Gina Max and Jesse Max for joining us tonight. Those ladies are awesome. Uh, man, I just can't wait for this game. It, it like I've been saying for the last year, it can't come out soon enough. But yet I still want out to I want it to be polished and clean and awesome. And that's
0: it. And uh, my good friend, where where can they where can they find Elder Scrolls Off the Record and, and uh, uh, Quest Gaming Network?
5: The most important thing about Elder Scrolls Off the Record is finding it on iTunes. Just search Elder Scrolls Off the Record, or you can go to Elder Scrolls Off the Record dot com. You can find us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls OTR. And it's in fact this this is for the sake of the chat room. They've been asking all night. You can hear this in audio format on our feed this weekend um, on iTunes or at our website. So. That's where you can go. Or you can go to Quest Gaming Network. We do multiple different types of shows as well as the Elder Scrolls show. So. That's
0: right. Uh, Force, I, I feel like I didn't ask you where, where people can access your content. I'm really sorry about that.
2: Sure, yeah. As uh, mentioned at the top of the show, you can find me on YouTube at uh, SC 2 strategy or YouTube.com slash ForceSC2Strategy or YouTube.com slash ForceStrategyGaming and besides covering Elder Scrolls, I just run a general gaming channel. So... You can watch me there.
0: Very good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of the chat room, we bow our heads to you. Thank you so much for making our evening as special as it has been made. Thank you very much to Jessimax and Gina Max from (laughs) Zemimax. Thanks so much, ladies. It's uh, it's really great uh, to have you in the chat room. We know you guys are very, very busy. We keep you busy. We are your community. Broadcasting from the White Gold Tower, from the Somerset Isles, all the way up to Skyrim, from High Rock tomorrow. And this has been the Elder Scrolls Online Alliance, the ESO Alliance. From the bottom of my heart, I salute you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Have a good night, everyone.
2: Chalamar! For
4: the Queen!
2: That is
4: awesome!
2: oi